One of the things that I've always endeavored to understand, uh, when people talk about revival or everybody's talking about end time move of God and the revival that's coming and outpour and all that, uh, nobody really quite knows what it looks like. But if we can at least examine the book of Acts, we can get a, a, a strong impression of what the first outpouring was like, right? And how many of you know we ain't touching that, we ain't even close in this dispensation, right? So then we probably need to delve into some of the truths that they believed and that they lived so that we can understand what is it that made them different from the Christians that are in the earth today. What did they do? What did they believe? What did they uh, adhere to? What things didn't they tolerate? Amen. And, and what things they, uh, they were able to accomplish. And, and it just dawned on me in, in looking over these scriptures and looking at this, there was some faith that they had in the name of Jesus that we are missing. See, we're missing it. It, that's, that, that's, I know that's one of the parts. I'm not saying that's everything, but if you can start getting the parts right, then pretty soon you have the whole picture, amen? And people are talking about latter rain and former rain, power mixed together. There have to be some things that that we are doing that are exactly right. Now, we, we understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But the gifts of the Spirit don't operate much among us so that we can really delve into the mind of God to problem solve down here. I think another thing is people have taken the gospel and kind of run away with it. It's not doing the same thing that it did back then. Back then it won multitudes to Christ. And the Holy Ghost fell and 5,000 people were filled with the Spirit. With the evidence of speaking in tongues, or else how else can they say they're all filled with the Spirit? But we've got churches of 10,000 people, and half of them aren't saved. So we've gone after the numbers, but not the quality of power delivered to the people to do the same thing. Those people were born again. And those people went out, they, they had church every day. We can barely do, I mean, churches are closed now. We can barely do no church. You understand what I'm saying? So these are things that are going to have to be corrected, I think. We've got to get these pieces back. And we've got to make sure that the whole part is is complete before God can really trust us that we understand what's going on enough so that he can put us out there and use us. Everybody say they want to be used, but we don't have time to study. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to, but we'll chase after a prophecy. That's only one of the nine spiritual gifts. You you, you can prophesy that God's going to heal somebody, but it's better if you lay hands on them and demonstrate it right there. I mean, I would like to be healed right away. We'll sit around waiting for everything. If you're, if you're gonna chase somebody, 
chase somebody who can allow God in to demonstrate what he can do for you. And so in looking at the, the power of the name of Jesus, it started to dawn on me. I said, you know, we don't really believe that name has what it says it has here. Now, it's good to sing about it. It's good to remind yourself and all of that. But we got to get the faith in us that they had for the authority of that name and to know what that name would do. So in looking at it, I was I was kind of struck by the fact when God showed me in Luke chapter 4, yesterday we studied that, and hopefully those of you who weren't here yesterday either watched the video yesterday or listened to it can go back and, and understand it. But there was warfare over the name of Jesus between Satan and Jesus. Amen. When Jesus went into the wilderness, they fought warfare over that name. That name was reserved for the one who paid the price and who earned it. And Satan tried to give it to him cheap. Kind of like a lot of prophecies on YouTube and Facebook. You don't know them people. You don't know if they pay the price to get. And they're not going to let you know too much about them. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to understand that there is authentic work of God, authentic people who have been called and anointed and chosen, released, and given a word. Just because you're a prophet, it doesn't mean that God gave you that to say. You got me? You don't have, you don't have carte blanche to go in and just say what you want to say. Has to be, has to be God given. You know, there's a, 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 there's a head of the church. His name is Jesus. And he runs everything. We don't run anything. Huh? And so, when, when I watch these things, I, I watch for imbalance in certain things. And, and, and people can have specific gifts that they feel comfortable flowing in. But if you stand before a crowd of people, there are different needs there. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit gives, divides the gifts, pushes them out there severally as He wills. So you can't give the Holy Spirit your will and tell Him to give you a prophecy every time you get up there. He may want to give you a word of knowledge to heal somebody from a disease. Amen? Or discerning of spirits to be able to cast the devil out of somebody. If you're a minister submitted to God, the head of the church. And so these are things I think are worth looking at, worth examining. Yesterday we talked about holding the name of Jesus in high esteem. And that cannot be stressed too much. And I think that's one of the reasons the word, the name has lost its power among Christians. It certainly has no power among the unsaved. Amen. And so when we think about that, we need to separate ourselves out into a holy place regarding the name of Jesus. Amen. A holy place. Because that name is holy. It was God ordained to be conferred on his son at the appointed time, at the time where he paid the price for that name. 
Amen. The legitimate price that the father set, Jesus had to pay. So it couldn't come quick, fast, and dirty by Satan giving it to him. Amen. All the kingdoms on the earth, these are mine to give if you'll bow down and worship me. Amen. So Satan was trying to exalt him so that his name didn't imply what it did. So he wouldn't pay the price for all the the kingdoms of the world. He wouldn't pay the price for the city of Jerusalem. Amen. He wouldn't pay the legitimate price. He would get it at a discount from the devil. And so Jesus beat him at his own game. Then when you get over to the book of Acts, you see the warfare over the name continues. And that's what we want to talk about today is the uh, the warfare over the name of Jesus among God's people and among the body of Christ. And, and it was started in the book of Acts and it continues until this day. Sometimes Satan's greatest asset is to get godly people religious so that they don't honor the name. Amen. You know, you hear, uh, you get in some denominational groups or some, you know, groups of, of people and the name of Jesus is just thrown around. And in that same congregation, you see very few people healed. Very few people really saved. Very few delivered. You see very few testimonies about salvation. The gospel just isn't there. Amen. Yet every time the preacher says something, they like, Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? That is just, that's gross. That's blasphemy. And that's using the Lord's name in vain. So we don't do that here, right? That we never have. We've had people float in here to try to, but we stop them and tell them, no, you don't do that. What's the purpose that you said that? See, his name is full of purpose. So when it's revered and respected and used for its purpose, it's the highest name ever. It's above every name. Every other name has to bow to that name when it's used reverently, respectfully, and in the purpose that God gave it to us to use. Amen? Jesus told his disciples, unto to this time you have not asked anything, but from now on you will ask in my name, and I'll do it. Amen? Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Amen? Let me see if it's this. I'm, I'm thinking it's John 16. I'm not sure. Somebody has a better scripture. You can let me know. Okay, thank you. John 16. You can write this one down. <clears throat> 23. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. That's the power right there. Whenever you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, that's your free pass to everything that you need, covenant-wise. I mean, we're not talking about something that's not covenanted to you. Amen? He says, in heretofore you have asked nothing in my name, but ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. 
So number one, there's full provision if you ask the Father in his name, respectfully honoring the name. There's there's fullness of joy in that name. Amen. There's fullness of assurance of the provision of God in that name. That name also works in the uh, domain of hell when you demand in that name. Because that word ask also means demand. And so when you demand the devil to let go in the name of Jesus, he must let go. Amen. He must. So really, our task is more or less to cultivate faith in the name. Huh? Because that's what the disciples were fighting. They were contending for the faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. When, when they talk about contending, whenever faith is applied, judgment is passed on unbelief. The Bible says Noah he says, by faith, Noah did what condemned the world. That, that, that word condemn means pass judgment on the world. All he did was get up every morning and keep building. Huh? And people fell under conviction. You know how you know people are under conviction? The devil uses them to pick at you for what you're doing. That's how you know what you're doing is right. When judgment is passed on you, it's like if if Miss Pat came up to me and said, Pastor Barb, I love you. I slapped her in the face. I passed judgment on her. You understand what I'm saying? That's the same effect that we do when we speak the word, when we say things in the name of Jesus, when we take authority. You slap the devil upside his face. And he comes after you to stop you. Just true. Miss Pat knows I love her. That's how I can say that. <laughs> that's how I can say that. <laughs> she loves me. So, so that's the thing though. There's, there's a contention over the name of Jesus that has to be fought. When you use the name of Jesus in authority the first time, you look and see if anything happens. It don't happen. The devil is contending with you. To see if you're going to say it again. Or if you get discouraged and walk away. Many people don't even try anymore. They look and see, well, that didn't work. They're not developing faith in the name. When you develop, develop faith, you have to commit to use it, period, over and over and over again. Huh? Just like you do for your bills to be paid or your car, get a new car. You keep going to God over and over and over again. Go to the dealership over and over and over again. Huh? Because you're sure God wants you to have it. Well, you can be just as sure that the demon has to flee at the name of Jesus if you because you keep saying it over and over and over again. Huh? If he's slow about moving, so oh, no, devil, yeah, get up out of here. You In Jesus' name, you get out of here. He knows when you mean it and when you're just trying it. Amen? Because <laughs> it works. Faith means you know it works. 
And God is telling the truth. He's not lying to you about the power in his name. When he said all power is given, he needs all power. He don't care if the devil's slow about moving. He ain't in heaven no more. <laughs> Matthew eight twenty says, wherever two or more, two or three gathered in my name, in my name, in my name, in my name, in my name. Purpose. In my name for the purpose that I established you to gather together. The congregation, church, we're, we're called, we're gathered together in his name for the purpose of having a worship service and hearing the word. Amen. The pastor and other five folds have authority to call a meeting. Not everybody has authority to call the meeting. Your girlfriend don't have authority to call a play party meeting and y'all pap each other over the head and see who make who fall. Or serve you communion. Or any of the other fun little things. This ain't no play thing. It's a real thing. If you mean business, if it's something the pastor wants to delegate to you, the pastor will delegate to you. But if they don't feel they want to delegate it, they don't have to. And you don't have a right to get together and do nothing. Huh? No authority, no power. Huh? No authority, no power. Call each other up on the phone, want to prophesy to each other, teach each other the Bible, and you, I got this revelation. Unauthorized meeting. Unauthorized. <laughs> Leave dazed and confused. That's what you get. There's no authority there for you to gather in his name. Amen. Let's see, this is helping somebody. I don't know who it is, but it's going to help. It's going to help a lot of people before we done. The first church was the one that came out of Egypt, right? Hello. God said, told Moses, what did he tell Moses to do? You know, you gathered the people together and I will cause them to hear my word. So only the, the, the fivefold have the power to call people together for God to show up and cause them to hear the word. That's why saints get together so much and argue with each other. feel like playing the piano right here and I don't even know how to play the piano. Amen. Every knee shall bow. Acts chapter 9. Let me show you this one. Acts chapter 9 and And verse 4, this is Saul before he became Paul. He had authority. Verse 4, it says, he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting 
me. So Jesus is the one who is persecuted. Huh? We just happen to be the carriers. Amen? So anything that befalls us because of our stand for him also is his responsibility to take care of for us. Amen? So this is why, and Saul, you know the story, he had run from town to town with papers from the the religious leaders of the day to arrest Christians because of the name. Mm-hmm. Ah. They were persecuted and hunted because they believed on the name. It's all about the name, folks. And your faith in it and your obedience to the instruction that he gives you. And verse 3, as he came, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth. Uh, every knee shall bow. That is a manifestation of that scripture. Verse 5, and he said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against. Uh-huh. Yeah, every knee shall bow. Amen. He's showing him. You know, that ought to get a hallelujah out of a lot of people. You know, some of you, some people y'all bothered by and upset with and they ain't going to do right and they don't treat me right. And So you got to know the authority and the power of the name that you're under. Amen. Because if you're born again, you're under his name. Amen. He signed his name for you. He says, hard for you to kick against these pricks. If you're serving God, unless you're giving people a hard time, now you, you need to learn how to trust God after some years. You know, you don't have to give nobody nothing. You just be you and God. He's pricking them. He said he'd fight those who fight us. Bless those who bless us. You know, some of these people, you need to take a side and you say, you know what? It'd be a good idea if you make up your mind to quit fighting me and start blessing me. Because I got it personally from God. If you bless me, he will bless you. Now we ain't going to say that. We're going to go in a corner gossip about somebody and get fired. <laughs> and Paul, trembling and astonished. Ooh, big bad, big bad Saul. Threatening, breathing out threatenings. Held everybody's coat when they stoned Stephen to death. He liked watching Christians get killed for that name. Mm. Fearing and trembling, astonished. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Uh Uh-huh. That's called every knee bowing. 
And the Lord said to him, get up. It's good to ask what to do while you're down on the floor. Not assume you invited to get up. He down there licking dust. Oh, Lord. <laughs> At your service. What do you want me to do, Lord? See, keep that picture in your mind when people start messing with you. Huh? <laughs> he said, get up and go to the city. And I'll tell you when you get there. Or he said, it will be told. He didn't say, I'll tell you nothing. He said, you go and you'll be told when you get there. He was blind when he got up. And they had to lead him into Damascus. There was a man there named Ananias was told by Jesus that he was going to pray for Saul to give him his sight. And Ananias said, Saul, whoa, wait, hold it, wait a minute, hold the phone. Hello, hello. There's a little Ananias down here. Huh? In verse 13, Ananias says, Lord, I've heard about this man. And in other words, what is he going to do for me? See, the authority in the name of Jesus was not well known at that time. And it certainly does not was not known by Ananias. So one of the things that the early church had to do was to gain faith in the name, demonstrate the power in the name, and then reassure people who were naming the name of Jesus that they were under the covering of that name and under the protection of that name as well. And so Ananias says, and the Lord told him, he, he said, listen, um, go your way, verse 15. He's a chosen vessel unto me, just like you are, to bear what? My name. To bear my name. That means the name of Jesus becomes a flag that you hang over your head. That's your standard. You carry that everywhere you go in reverence and respect and honor, not blaspheming, but understanding why you've been given that name and demonstrate the authority and power in that name. And he says, he's got to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must for my name's sake. I think when he said that word suffer, Ananias says, good, I'll do it. (laughs) You got the right one now. Amen. Listen, God knows exactly what to tell us to get us moving. Huh? He knows exactly what to say. And so Ananias went his way. We all know the story. Laid hands on Paul. Paul received his sight. Some people were fearful of Paul when he first started to come around, try to preach. But some of the Jesus raised up other disciples to vouch for him and to speak up for him so that he would be received by the brethren. They weren't, they, they learned not to be fearful of him anymore. 
Amen. So, uh, Paul then was converted to the name of Jesus. Once he fought it and warred against it, now he was converted to that name. Amen. And that's true of everybody that gets saved. Amen. We fight God, don't want God, don't want to live right, all that. And then we're what they call converted. Amen. Just totally flipped over and turned around. Amen. So really the warfare for the church is over the name of Jesus to see if we will allow that name to continue to win out over everything that comes against it. The devil isn't coming against you. He's trying to stop the name of Jesus from manifesting against him. That name is his biggest opposition, biggest hurdle. That's why he's always sneaking in in religion and getting Christians to misuse the name. Got me? He likes that kind of stuff. So Paul had to bow to the name. The other religious leaders had to bow to the name again as well. Amen. In Acts chapter 3, though, you see that we see the church first being established. And, and they, they began to preach and teach people the history of the Jewish nation ending with Jesus and now the authority in, in that name. So, um, let me see. Where do I want to go here? Go back to 2, Acts 2, verse 14. It says, this was after the uh, Holy Ghost fell on people. They began to prophesy, speak in other tongues. That, that word prophesy means they just were magnifying God. Amen. Speaking by the Spirit of God. Amen. And then they heard people in their own languages. It was, was very mystifying to people. And, and so Peter had to get up and in the confusion. Amen. God gives the gift of interpretation, not just interpretation of tongues, but there is a, an interpretation gift for interpreting events giving people understanding of because spiritual happenings are not known to everybody it's it's i just call it the this or that anointing you know if i can use that word or the this or that i mean this is that i'm sorry this is that gift amen so in a way it is an uh, uh it is prophecy because we're interpreting some event that god spoke of in the past this is that. Amen. What you're looking at right now is that which we read in the Bible that happened way back, that was said was going to happen way back then. Whenever Jesus heals somebody, most of the writers of the gospel says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah himself took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses. That's an example of this is that interpretation. Amen. So here we have another one with Peter. It says the people, people were making fun of them, thought they were drunk. Why, why are they talking like that and laughing and giggling and all that? Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said to them, you men of Judea, 
and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Now that's somebody who's speaking with permission from God. They're not suggesting, they're not talking in a corner, they're out publicly, they're declaring, and he has support of the church with him. Amen. And so he says, for these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing as that's the third hour of the day. Duh. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Of course, everybody don't even know who Joel is. Well, who is Joel? What? I never read him. And it shall come to pass in the last day, save God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy or declare by unction of the spirit the word of God. And your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, ooh, ouch. As for all you preachers still out there thinking women shouldn't preach or pastor or whatever, there's, there's still some relics out there holding on to that. Uh, handmaidens get it too. In fact, you don't have to be nobody. You don't have to be a fivefold to have the Spirit of God poured out on you. Huh? He says, I will pour out in those days of my Spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. Then the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon to blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass. Here's the name. Here's the establishment of the name on the day of Pentecost. So the authority of the name of Jesus is established from day one when the church was born. So the church was born to give witness to Jesus, but to establish the authority in that name. He said, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. You men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved to God among you by miracles wonders and signs how are we approved of god hello you know i don't look at everybody's video on the internet if i don't see somebody getting up healed or delivered i keep moving even if i got to go back and look at dead people's videos well, that's where the real power is sometimes. Your whole, your whole generation can skip over it. Huh? I don't want to hear about wealth transfer and no place else. I mean, I, I, and there's nothing to give. God gave that to you to preach, you preach it. You understand what I'm saying? But it ain't for me. Huh? What I need can't be bought. Okay, well that didn't go. What do I do? I piped and you didn't dance. I, you know, I, <laughs> what y'all want to hear? See, if you're still living in the material realm on things, see, I know for a fact that if I have any need, the name of Jesus will more than supply that. 
And I don't know if it's transferred or not. I know when I use that name, it shows up in abundance. You got me? I don't ask where it came from. I don't need to know where it came from. Probably got a lot of people now on the Internet turning off and going someplace else. This ain't that kind of show. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to promise y'all nothing in order to be right with God. I'm trying to go to heaven, y'all. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and avoid hell in a big way. So, so, then, um, Paul, uh, Peter goes on his discourse giving the history of, of, um, you know, the, of the Messiah and, and, um, uh, those things and how Jesus was highly exalted. Verse 32, this Jesus has, has God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Ooh, we are some hot people in that audience. Every religious devil, every Pharisee, every Sadducee, were you talking about the resurrected Lord and they think he, they done started to lie that they stole, the disciples stole his body out of the tomb and he ain't alive, he's still dead. And he stands there boldly and tells everybody, yeah, he's still alive. And we done seen him. That's a good day to ride with your posse. You understand? Your ride or die posse. Don't be up there with them Thomases saying, well, I don't know if I saw nothing or not. I mean, you know, oh, you got to have your ride or dies with you on that day. Huh? And he says, We all are witnesses, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. Amen. He says, verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know. He's not talking to Gentiles here. Peter is boldly confronting those who kill the Lord. The Gentiles killed him too, but they come later. You know, somebody else. But we all killed him. You understand what I'm saying? Our sin put him to death. He said, but I'm talking to y'all. Let all Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus. Ooh! Whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, uh huh, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, for the remission of your sins. In other words, you can be forgiven of the wrong that you did him. Just repent, ask God to forgive you. Your sins will be remitted and we'll take you down and baptize you. Get you saved first and then get you filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. There are many times God will save people and fill them at the same time. You know, it's up to him how he does things. But, but yeah, he, he had to get them clean first. Amen. And so when, when they went ahead and, and started to preach 
and the word of God began to be received. Amen. Verse 41, it says, they that gladly received the word were baptized. Nobody was done by force. And the same day were added to them about, ooh, 3,000 souls. So here's a, a road map to tell you how it's done. The early church was a mega church. Mega church is nothing new. It's nothing, it's no great feat for anybody. Cause God did the first one when the church was started. Amen. God knows who he wants saved when he wants saved. It said he added daily to the church those that should be saved. Amen. So God adds to the church. Your PR won't do it. Your wonderful choir won't do it. Huh? God has to do this. You can gimmick all you want to, but you have a house full of dead men sitting up there thinking they're going to heaven. There's salvation comes through no other name. It's the only name through which salvation comes. Amen. And so Peter was able to convert, preach those people to conversion. Amen. And so they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Such love and unity began to break out that they had everything, all things in common. People just brought stuff, brought their whole house down to the church so that they, and they knew they had something worth sacrificing for. Amen. They had the power of God. They had the same, this same Jesus. They had his name. They had his power. They had his, his church. They had everything, everything that was important to them. They had it right then and right there. Amen. And so, um, they, they took over the temple. They just started preaching in the name of Jesus and all the religious people must have run out or something because they was right there doing their thing. Amen. See, that name will give you access to forbidden places. Huh? Those disciples weren't part of the temple. They weren't Levites. They weren't prophets. They were disciples. And then Jesus called them apostles. But this was a New Testament designation for them. So under the old covenant, they had no standing under that that religious system. But they went and took over the temple. They did. They went where God told them to do. Amen. They, it says they sold all their possessions. Verse 45. And gave to everybody as they had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house. Ate their meat with gladness. Amen. And singleness of heart. Praising God. You didn't see nothing about nobody getting wounded. You know because somebody didn't speak to them. You don't see anything about anybody getting offended because, you know, they didn't preach what they thought they should preach. There was no offense. There was one accord. And the power of one accord was so strong that a husband and wife came in and lied about their offering and dropped dead. Both of them. You know, God was meant business because some people would say stuff like, well, 
Sapphira, you know, she didn't have to die too. Yes, she did. God don't do nothing unnecessary. He's a God of mercy. She should have been at church on time. I really like that one. Huh? Sitting up at naughty nails. Yeah, they had them hands looking good with that money they took. And it wasn't even God's money until they gave it to him. Huh? That's the interesting part. They died on a humble for nothing for show. Amen. You have to lie about that. Peter said, why, why'd you lie to the Holy Ghost? See, sometimes we think we're just dealing with people. <laughs> so in chapter 3, we see, a, 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 I guess, what you can call an, an event that set the tone for the book of Acts. You know, this was a pivotal happening in the early church that set the standard for the way they allowed the Lord to operate through them, what they were were obedient to as far as God was concerned. So this began to set a standard for the early church that, we have to capture this back. We really do. We've got to capture this back. Verse uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. A certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid him every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for money, a charity, alms from the people that came in the temple. Now people say things like, well, you know, this man, if this man sat there every day, Jesus must have passed by him. Yeah, he did. Well, how come Jesus didn't heal him? The father didn't tell him to. Number one, Jesus only did what the father told him to do. And I can tell you for a fact, if your name ain't on that miracle, you don't get to do it. I don't care how much power you think you have. I don't have how much unction you think and how many different, you know, uh, uh, languages you know the name of Jesus in. You, if you don't, if your name ain't on it, you don't have the unction to carry it out. So this healing, and the other thing you got to understand about healing, your healing is reserved for a certain time in a certain place. And anybody else's is. It's all under the control of heaven. So we can't just decide, well, I guess I'm just going to go have a healing meeting and we're just going to get this and get that and get the other. You may not get nothing. All these things are done by unction of the Holy Spirit. Many people don't even understand how spiritual authority operates, yet they're trying to get out and wield it. And they don't understand how that power operates. Amen? They just really don't. Sometimes believers think you can go out and do anything, anytime, anywhere. You know, you, you're under authority all the time. Amen? 
your pastor, overseer, whoever it is, should know what you intend to do. In fact, they should be the author of what you're doing. Now, I realize a lot of churches don't teach their people. But if you're an untaught church, you're the last person that needs to be go out laying hands on anybody. You're a stick of dynamite looking for a place to blow something up. So here this man's been sitting out here every day. Every day. He saw Peter and John about to go into the temple and ask them for money. Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John. See, these things are important. Who do you ever fasten your eyes on? You're walking in the supermarket, you're trying to get in that door and trying to whip that little mask on your face and trying to find your money and get your quarter for the Aldi's cart and everything else you're trying to do. Huh? This is the gaze of God. This is the gaze of the Holy Spirit. This is the eyeball that God will give people that he's using. So it's no longer Peter and John looking at this man. It's it's the Holy Spirit looking through them at this gentleman. Amen. And that's the only reason Peter said, look at us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting. We got two things that we need to be doing, fastening, so somebody can be expecting. See, if if I went up to Miss Avis and I said, Avis, you got ten dollars you can you can let me have, you know, for right now, I'm not gonna be looking around at nobody, I'm be looking at I'm be eyeballing her. And I'm be hoping my eyeballs have the power to raise up ten dollars up out of that purse huh so if we can make contact like that she can understand and look and see if i'm serious she hopes i'm playing but i probably am not amen that's real important sometimes and so they this man sees oh boy i got somebody's attention somebody gonna give me something So he releases his faith. Expecting is faith. So all they wanted to do was to get this man to expect something. And they were able to deliver. He wasn't expecting to be healed. Not right then. But we don't know if he might have expected it in the past. You understand what I'm saying? He might have expected Jesus to heal him one of those times he came by. But it was not to be, not during that time. Amen. So expectation is a very important part of faith to get you what you need. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you. It didn't say that man put his head down and quit expecting, did it? Why? 
because Peter got his attention so quick he didn't have time to stop expecting. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen. Now, he said Jesus Christ of Nazareth so that the man could be familiar with who he was talking about because he lived during Jesus' time. But over the years, Nazareth was dropped, and we just say in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So so here we see, and he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaping up stood and walked in the name of Jesus and entered into them, into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. So you see the name of Jesus does the same thing that Jesus did. In Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. So when you use the name of Jesus to do good and to heal and to deliver and to save, God is with you. So the other thing we got to realize is when we use that name appropriately, God is with us. God shows up when we use the name of Jesus for the intended purpose that it was given, for the purpose of doing good, for healing for delivering and and overcoming the devil. Amen? So that's the purpose that name is given to us. Mark 16, 17, and 18 tells us the same thing. This is the believer's ministry. This is why people aren't going to churches for very long because they don't see any power and they don't see any anointing and they don't see anybody letting them, teaching them how to do anything. You got sick people in your house. You got unsaved people threatening to put you out of the house. And your church can't teach you how to at least stay in the house or you won't be out in the cold. Don't teach you how to pray. Don't teach you how to wield proper spiritual authority. You heard about it, but you don't ever see it. You got to see it. As disciples, you're entitled to see it. Jesus demonstrated the power of God everywhere he went to his disciples. They were following the real thing. Mark 16, verse 15, and he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. So the whole concept of here is believers, is believing. Amen. Not getting baptized does not condemn you to hell if you have confessed Christ. So most scholars believe this word baptized means to be baptized into the body of Christ by confessing your sins, turning away from them and accepting Jesus as your Savior. 
If you got the Holy Ghost dwelling in you, you don't go to hell. But what we need to focus on is the signs that follow those who believe. Because if you demonstrate the signs, you're a believer. He says, these signs shall follow those that believe in my name. Not believe, semicolon, even though it's in there in most Bibles. But you got to have faith in the name, folks. you got to have faith in the name. If you don't have faith in the name, none of this happens. He says, in my name. If you got faith in my name. You'll cast out devils in my name. You'll speak in new tongues in my name. You'll take up serpents in my name. And if you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you in my name. Now that's a good space to preach on why you stop and bless your food before you gobble it up. Father, we thank you for this meal. We bless our bread and water. Thank you for taking sickness from the midst of us in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're covered. Well, you just can't eat anything. Yeah, you can. My Bible says uh, anything. Even any deadly thing. Pastor Bob, why would I eat anything? I didn't say you did it on purpose. You mean to tell me you're going to walk through a supermarket and get a pack of food and don't know how it got there and how long it's been there and what it's got on it or none of that stuff and you going to just throw it down like it's good food? It's good after you pray over it. You know, I've had to stop myself many a time going for the, you know, just in the refrigerator goblin. Alright, I confessed it, so, okay, arrest me. Is that illegal? Do it. I don't care what you do. Y'all do it too. Hang on the door till you find it, that last piece of whatever that meat was that was so good three nights ago. And tear that refrigerator up looking for that bad boy. Huh? Then you think about it when it's halfway down. Thank you. Hey, at least you put a shot of the word on it. Amen. So they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will recover. They will recover. Don't let doubt keep you asking people how they feel. You know, you have to learn these. I had to learn all these things. I was using the name, but not in the faith that I needed. You know, you need to work on yourself to get the faith established. I was just obeying the word, I thought. But there's faith involved here, too. And so I had to learn how to just leave people alone and expect them to recover. You know? It's the name that does the work, folks. It's the authority in the name that drives out sickness and demands health to come. Amen? It's it's all in the name. 
So we're going to see some warfare over this name. It's all throughout the book of Acts. That's what these people are mad at these Christians about. You know, don't think that the devil is harassing you because you're called to a great ministry. I know we all been told over and over we have greatness in us. I'm waiting for it to come out. Because see, it's, uh, no seriously, it's too many homeless people we pass by going to the big church wearing our fine clothes, driving our big cars, too many sick people in our own families and in hospitals. That's where you need to be great. Is where you live first. Your Jerusalem comes first. Sometimes that ain't so much the devil harassing us. That's our imagination. So in Acts chapter 3, we'll go back there again. Pray for me to stay with this because it's just, it's a lot here. And I'm not trying to squeeze it all in this afternoon. I may not be able to. So so we'll just, you know, do what we need to do. But I just want us to get this, okay? So so here, the same lame man that was healed. Verse 9, 3 verse 9. All the people saw him walking and praising God. Now you might wonder, hmm. Why Why did Jesus choose the temple? Why couldn't we just like go to this guy's house after, you know, they did house meetings too. Why couldn't we just, you know, wait till he went home, got in his bed, go to his house, yank him up out the bed, same healing, same guy, same thing. And no. And you have to learn how to have God do things in the arena of his choosing. You're just the waitress handing out the meal. You're not the chef. You're not the restaurant owner. You're just the waitress or the waiter. Okay. So, so here, I mean, you got to do what you're told to do. You got to do what you're led to do. I'm sure Peter and John had walked by this guy many times already and they were anointed when they walked past him. I'm certain they were anointed for three years or at least two good ones. With Jesus, probably three. This other thing I want to mention too. When you get something from the right source, you don't have to be 15, 20 years old in the Lord to receive the anointing. These people didn't have 15 years to teach nobody nothing. They had time to impart truth let the power fall, and then let people go forth and demonstrate what the Holy Spirit was giving them unction to do. They had much prayer during that time. Peter was imprisoned, and a house church prayed for him. Not just Hebrew people, 
Rhoda is a Greek name. So they had all kind of people up in there. One of the things we got to quit doing is saying the black church, the white church, the Baptist church. That You didn't get that here. That's probably one of the keys to their power. They didn't segregate, put titles and names and descriptions. Just a thought. Just, just a thought. So, so here, Peter and John go in the temple. Oh, I was talking about Rhoda. Okay, so Peter was imprisoned and a house church prayed for him. So much so that an angel came down and got him out of jail and brought him to the gate of the house where they were praying for him. Now, you got a preacher in prison. The average congregation, half the people wouldn't even pray for him. He must have done something wrong. I knew he wasn't no good. You understand what I'm saying? We're talking about people who are on one accord and obedient to God. Amen. And the authority that he's put over them and just go to praying. They don't judge the prayers. Huh? We pray for a lot of people here. We pray for some people. God gives us some names. Some of them, they ask for prayer. We don't judge anybody's prayer. We don't say somebody is worth praying for, somebody ain't worth praying for. You understand what I'm saying? We just do things on assignment from God. If your prayer is not of that nature, you're not going to be very effective in God's kingdom. Because he's without partiality. Amen? So here, here Rhoda comes to the gate. And slams it in Peter's face because she gets scared and runs in the house because she thinks it's a ghost. Huh? As they say, pray in faith, receive in shock. Just finish praying for the man. And so that, that, one, one of the things that, that, that indicates to me that faith is a matter of the heart. Because you can have faith in your heart if your mind goes into shock when the prayer gets answered. That's how that happens. Your mind can be thinking doubt all the time. You know, Rhoda can get finished praying the prayer of faith for Peter and, and pray in the name of Jesus, which releases the power to get him out of jail. But then walk away and her mind will say, well, I know that. You know, I hope he gets out. I don't know if he's going to get out or not. So by the time she gets to the gate, Rhoda's back in her natural mind. And so she has to go back and tell people, <laughs> you know, come on here, this is some weird stuff happening around here. Uh-huh. It's interesting. So here, this man gets up, the one Peter and John just prayed for. Verse 8, he leaping up stood and walked. And went with them into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. Amen. So they continued on to the temple. That was their destination. But on their way, they had somebody to heal. See, when the church 
of the Lord Jesus Christ gets to the point where they're on their way to church and can stop and invite somebody or pray with somebody or lead somebody to Christ or ask somebody if if they're feeling well, if they can pray with. See, we need to interrupt our usual to get the supernatural. Because you're on your way to church anyway. You're covered. But there may be those on your way that God would have you stop and minister to. And so all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, this is God flexing his muscle. Not you. You had nothing to do with this except you obeyed the unction. But God often likes to flex his muscle. When Moses confronted Pharaoh with the ten plagues, that was God flexing his muscle. Just showing people what he could do. Show he has to let people know who he is. So he leaves a calling card here at the gate beautiful. And when he went in, everybody knew he was the guy who said everybody knew him. Everybody looked in his face and walked past him. This day, somebody stopped and allowed God to minister to him. Verse 11, and as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered to the people, this is that. He said, you men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so earnestly on us as though our own power or holiness had made this man to walk? See, this is where you glorify God. If you're going to be used by God, you got to know when to duck out from under public opinion and let the power of God, let God receive the honor. Let him receive the praise. Let him receive. And, and, and so he says, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, <clears throat> whom, by the way, you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate. And he, when he was determined to let him go, Now, who preaches that bold anymore? Who preaches that bold anymore? Who goes in and knows the choir is is full of fornicators, liars, adulterers, backbiters, and says, and you up there, you fornicators, you, you, huh? Would you like to repent today? He said he was determined to let him go, and you made sure he got crucified. He said, but you denied the Holy One and the Just One and desired a murderer to be granted to you. And killed the Prince of Life, whom God had raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. We saw him. See, that's when your boldness counts for something. You tell people what you saw. We need to be far bolder about sharing testimony. You know, I mean, it, it, it's good 
you know, we put our, the healing testimonies in newsletters. But we need to have a bunch of them and just give them to people or wave them or tell people, you know, I'm going to pray for you. Because look at all the people I prayed for with people in my ministry and God's healed them. And God's going to heal you too. See, you can say that with boldness and confidence because what what are you asking for? You're asking in the name of Jesus, the name above all name that has in it power to heal. We capitalize on the anointing so much, which we don't understand very well. Not many of us carry much of it. Sometimes just enough to blow your nose. But we all can have faith in the name of Jesus, can't we? Work on that. Amen. That's where we need to work. So, so he tells, he preaches to these people. Amen. And he says, um, where was I? Oh, Holy Month 15. Kill the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, and his name. Through faith in his name. See, that name was everything and they knew it. They couldn't let the name of Jesus go or they were all dead meat and they knew it. And Peter got this by revelation of the Holy Spirit. That it's not what we say or how we say it or whether we have a title in front of our name or whether we have an office or whether we have it's faith in the name because all the disciples, everybody under earshot that was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit became believers and went out and did miraculous things in his name. That was the norm. You could go up to any Christian. And be healed in the name of Jesus. So Peter begins to establish what's behind the power. Remember when the sons of Sceva thought they were going to, uh, I adjure you by Paul, Jesus whom Paul preaches. Secondhand knowledge, he's not a witness of anything. Amen. And the devil said, Jesus I know. Because he chased me around everywhere. Him, I definitely know. And Paul, I know. Now, why did he say he knew Paul? Because Paul was anointed. Paul was... He had faith in the name. Paul, when they said, Jesus, I know, Jesus has all power. Paul, I know, because Paul has faith in the name of Jesus. He beat us up and chased us everywhere. In fact, Paul was so uh, accomplished at wielding the authority in the name of Jesus. How do you think he got acquainted with the name? He got knocked off a horse by him that, that was the name. So he knew the power firsthand. Amen. Peter says this, the name. Through faith in the name. Not my anointing. Not my apostleship. Not anybody laid hands on. Not that I'm called. Not that I walk with Jesus on the earth when he was here. But he leaves something that we all can partake of. We can't, well we can walk with Jesus because he lives in us. But we don't have that experience they had. 
to call ourselves eyewitnesses of what Jesus, but he left us something just as powerful. And that is faith in his name. See, if that's not, if there's not a prayer you pray this year, you gotta pray, God, give me, make me sure I have faith in your name. I understand everything that your name entails. I'm not trying to uh, preach louder than anybody to get demons to move. I'm not trying to get anything wonderful to happen in my own power. But teach me how to establish that I have faith in your name. He says this, and he says, um, uh, he says, um, where was I? Ah, oh, yeah, 16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith that is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So it's Jesus' faith that he has given to the church, and in his name we do these things. So you have to have faith in Jesus, faith in his word, faith in his name. And use that name appropriately for the things God has you to do. He said, this is how it's done. These signs shall follow those who believe in his name. They'll do these things, these miraculous things. So Peter gives them the key to what he knows is the key to power. And boy, that sets the devil on fire after them. Huh? You never bought so much trouble as you'll buy by understanding and using the power that's in the name of Jesus. Because you have to speak that. You have to carry that name. You have to maintain confidence and faith in that name. You have to do it all. And the devil will try and hinder you and stop you at every juncture. What can I do to them to stop them from preaching in this name? To stop the ones who believe from yielding the name. That's why they were after Paul so tough. He knew the power that was in the name. And they would have to damage him or kill him to get to shut him up. So until we do the things that Paul did and Let's not get real carried away about the devil that's after us because we have a great ministry. Come on now, y'all. Let's just stop the foolishness and get out and start understanding the power and authority in that name. Start getting people healed in that name. Start praying in that name for the salvation of family members. Amen? Start doing the things God wants you to do in the authority in that name. Get familiar with it. Not overly familiar where you start to blaspheme or use the name in vain, but get familiar with the authority and the power that God wants you to do. Amen? All right. We're going to stop for right now. Amen? We'll, we'll stop. Just let God bless the Lord. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to um, release the power in his name. Amen? Everybody will get a touch from the master amen touch from jesus today those of you by internet that are still there (laughs) didn't get cooked or fried today that's good for you You need somebody to to warm you up and quit buttering you up amen praise god we butter up god 
we fire up the saints. Amen. Yes, amen. Praise God. So we're going to release the power of God in the name of Jesus to everybody that wants it today. And I want you to let Miss Nola place you. Well, Miss Nola's got her hands full. So, um.